Hey team, welcome back to The Pillars, the podcast of the 363rd ISR Wing. I'm Dr. Jerry, as you know, and with me is Dr. Reed. And today we are talking about disappointment. The disappointment you hold maybe within yourself, with others, how that can be destructive and maybe even constructive for where you want to go with life and how you want to revise your reality. So the reason we're doing this is because, um, yeah, as I referenced in a previous five minutes of Thrive, uh, many people have been, let's say, disappointed by how the ending of one of their favorite uh, home box office TV shows went. And uh, it's perfectly understandable. You invest a lot of time and, and emotions into, you know, watching these things week to week and year to year. And so, you know, you want a story that wraps up very nicely and, and ties up all the loose ends and just makes you feel good about that investment that you've um, put in. But, you know, just like TV, life has plenty mm. of disappointments where certain mm. relationships will not wrap up just the way we want them to. In fact, uh, may prematurely end with the life equivalent of a writer's strike or something along those lines. So, uh, Dr. Reed, I was wondering if you could talk about you know, your take on you know, what it's like to be disappointed and, and where that disappointment comes from. Yeah, that's a great setup. Thanks. I mean, I think it's important to acknowledge that uh, disappointment comes in all shapes and sizes. So, um, uh, disappointment over your television show not going the way that you had hoped it to versus uh, disappointment that maybe you're going through uh, fertility issues because of uh, loss of uh, fantasy about having children is something that you're now grappling with. Those are uh, different flavors of disappointment, although um, the experience can have some similar aspects. And, and that's two extremes, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they may be, you know, and it, the set point for disappointment is really uh, depends on the individual, right? Some people uh, may experience disappointment around issues, whereas others might not. And then the other dimension I think that's useful to talk about is sources of disappointment. You know, mm -hmm. are you reflecting on uh, your own behavior? Are you disappointed in the way that you acted in response to a particular set of circumstances or an event? Uh, did you transgress some deeply held and important values of your own? And that's what's the source of disappointment? Or are you disappointed in somebody else for some reason? Or are you mm -hmm. just disappointed in circumstances that may or may not be uh, in your control? Okay, uh, that's a really good point you make because um, there is this, um, I don't wanna call it a necessarily dichotomy, but um, a difference in terms of being disappointed in ourselves versus being disappointed mm -hmm. in others. Uh, but I think in both those situations, uh, some kind of uh, sense of morality comes into play. Mm -hmm. You know, you've trans transgressed against your own morality and so you're disappointed that you weren't able to align your, your values and your behaviors. Sure. Or on the flip side, you're disappointed that uh, other people did not live up to your expectations, whether they were ob objectively or just kind of tacitly implied. And, and sometimes I think we have to assess whether that was fair that you had that expectation for people in the first place. Absolutely. But before we get into that, though, um, I was wondering if you don't mind, I, I was thinking about this podcast. I wanted to share some uh, past disappointments that I've had. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, both disappointment I had in myself and disappointment I had in others, and then how I responded to that yeah. um, <laughs> in not so helpful ways. Sounds good. Okay. As long as you don't make me share. I have disappointments going back to this morning. <laughs> if, if, I, if we need some really recent examples that are top of mind, I can pull those out too. But yeah, okay, well, why don't you? Well, we'll, um, we'll, we'll make you discomfort or uh, uncomfortable in another podcast. But um, the first thing that popped to mind, strangely enough, was when I was in high school. Um, I was a freshman in high school. It was my first semester, and uh, I was just taking the normal U.S. history course. And um, we're 
our GPA was calculated based on semesters. So at the end of the semester, you got a grade, and that's what factored into your GPA. And so at the end of the semester, I thought I'd done really well in the course, just enough to get an A, and it turns out I had an 89.4. Mm. You needed an 89.5 to round up to an A. And so I went to the teacher and I asked if there's anything I could do, you know, to, to bring up that grade just one-tenth of a point so I could get an A in the class. And, I mean, we're talking about the difference between, you know, one missed question on a homework assignment. Over the entire you know? semester, right? Yeah. For, yeah, yeah, to reflect my entire work over the whole semester. And you know what she said to me? She said, well, you're just going to have to try harder next semester. Wow. Ouch. And I was so disappointed in myself that, oh. I, well, I first responded with anger. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, here comes of the course. grief cycle. <laughs> there, yeah, there's, there, I, and I think in disappointment, there's a grief process just in general, yeah. regardless of what kind of disappointment we're talking about. Uh, but after I got over the anger, I was disappointed in myself for not trying just a little bit harder because I knew I was capable of it. Hmm. And so what I, I decided to do, um, which was not so helpful, was for the rest of that year and on well into my sophomore year of high school, I went into uh, what I would call destructive academic behavior. Wow. Where I just... Say more. I just did not care. I lost all my motivation. Wow. I wouldn't complete homework assignments. I wouldn't study for tests. Um, I wouldn't do you know readings. I would just kind of do what I had to get by. Hmm. And my GPA clearly suffered. And then in, in junior year, I realized, oh, I want to go to, to college. Mm. And I probably need to get my GPA up. And so that's why I started to actually divest my energies in a worthwhile uh, fashion. But because of that one experience, I let that disappointment with myself uh, reside within me for an entire year and a half and suffered uh, negatively academically because of that. Um, you know, and, but I still went to a good college. Somehow they let me in, and I still graduated. Um, so things kind of worked out, and I was able to make up for that. But, um, you know, imagine if I hadn't had that insight. I imagine that that's a story that probably resonates with uh, a lot of folks. Uh, maybe the, the circumstances are different, but how many of us have really applied ourselves, put forward a lot mm -hmm. of effort, and uh, due to circumstances that were maybe in our control, but perhaps out of our control, uh, we didn't get the result that we wanted. And yeah, we imagined the worst was gonna happen as a result, and maybe went into some kind of reactive spiral. Yeah. You know? And it took us a while to pull out and realize, all right, hey, uh, I'm, not, I'm not living according to my values, I'm not living according to what's important to me, uh, you know, giving up in this way is, is not gonna get me ultimately what I want. Absolutely. And, and the first correlate I think of is, you know, getting a bad EPR. Sure. Yep. Or not getting the promotion statement that you thought you, you deserved based mm -hmm. on the work you put in. Or, or getting one you feel like you did deserve, but knowing that you might have been able to do better and, and have gotten a, you know, must promote or something like that. Yeah. Um, or just not testing well or feeling like you could have tested better to make, a, you know, to promote to the next grade. Mm -hmm. Things like that. I think there's, there's, you know, a corollary there to where we can internalize that anger and that disappointment and it can really be destructive. Yeah, I, I will. I kind of said a little bit about my own personal experience with uh, disappointment early on in the episode. I, we had been married for a few years and uh, we're looking to start a family and it just wasn't going our way, so mm -hmm. to speak. Um, and that was despite our best efforts, if I can say that kind of <laughs> tongue in cheek. Tongue in cheek. Um, yeah. And through uh, lots of medical intervention, you know, eventually things kind of got going, but there was a period where, uh, there was a period where we just were experiencing this loss of fantasy, right? And we were mm. experiencing this grief and all of these assumptions or expectations we had about um, 
our ability to start a family at will, you know, yeah. they, it just wasn't coming true. And we, we grappled with the disappointment of that. We went through our own grief cycle. Mm -hmm. There was times when we were just very angry um, at uh, really not ourselves. We, we sort of pegged ourselves in victims as victims in all this, but we were mm -hmm. angry at other people for not expressing the right kind of empathy. Or, and we got stuck there for a little while. Yeah. And these things tend to have a life cycle. I think they, I think they tend to work themselves out spontaneously over time. But mm -hmm. uh, that's not to say that we didn't wade through some real uh, thick grief at, at times um, because of that disappointment. And I think whether you know it's academic or, or something like what I'm talking about, people are well acquainted with the, uh, the grief or the, the, the emotion of disappointment. But I wanted to ask you a question. I don't want to derail the, the conversation sure. too much, but there's the, there's the feeling of disappointment Mm -hmm. And then there's the expression of that feeling, right? So yeah. some of the stuff we just sit on and, and we just uh, we just kind of uh, we hold it in uh, mm -hmm. and we just experience it. But other times uh, we express that. And I'm sort of uh, on the fence about the utility of that. I have, sure. I have kind of a balanced view. What do you think? I think in generally or in general, we are not very good at expressing disappointment mm -hmm. in a pro-social adaptive manner. Sure, yeah. I, I think that the way it most often comes out is um, in terms of complaining um, or angry, bitter resentment towards someone or some kind mm -hmm. of circumstance. And I think in, in those situations, um, we're really just looking for validation from yeah. other people. We're trying to, to assess whether they share those beliefs and if they can empathize with us and, and bolster us and say, yeah, that expectation you had, that desire you had that went unfulfilled, that was realistic. You're right, it's not fair. You know, it shouldn't have turned out that way. Mm. And that's a, a tricky, I think, uh, dilemma to find yourself in because on the one hand, um, we, we do need that validation from others in a lot of mm -hmm. different um, things. And we want to you know, feel that we're heard and understood and that people can empathize with how we're feeling. But sometimes that disappointment is not exactly rational. And it's based on yeah. faulty beliefs or expectations and, and, uh, or just some cognitive distortions we have about the, you know, like the just world. Right, and then I think in those cases, complaining mm -hmm. or this, uh, you know, this attempt to elicit from your environment or from your friends some kind of response mm -hmm. to sort of bring people to your rationale or your way of thinking in the world. Sometimes that works and sometimes friends are willing to indulge you with a, mm -hmm. oh, hey man, I'm sorry. Uh, but sometimes people aren't willing to go there with you for a mm -hmm. variety of reasons, um, including the fact that you may just think about the world or hold a set of expectations that's uh, different than somebody else. And so that's it's difficult point. for them to express empathy. I think it's worth acknowledging that complaining, which seems to be one kind of vehicle for expressing dis disappointment, mm -hmm. um, I think sometimes complaining is someone's best effort at getting some need met at the time, right? Some social like, need. Some social need, right? They're mm. trying to draw people in saying, look at me, um, I'm, I'm experiencing some kind of hurt or I'm experiencing disappointment. Is there anything that you can kind of do to hmm. uh, you know, bolster me or pick me up? Right? But it's not a victimhood mentality. Not it's, necessarily. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd see it as um, 
just looking for social support as a right. way of um, maybe trying to reach out to other people. Right. And I, yeah, and I, and I say a person's best effort at the mm -hmm. time, and that just may be because of the state of mind that they're in or the mood that they're experiencing. They're hurting. Yeah, if they were in a different place, uh, maybe they would reach out to express that disappointment in more pro-social ways, as you said. So yeah. there's assertive ways, right, to express disappointment. Very true. Yeah. So, you know, saying what you feel and then, you know, acknowledging where that source of disappointment is coming from and then maybe asking for, uh, for what you want or what you would have preferred, especially if mm -hmm. you're, the source of disappointment is someone else saying, you know, hey, I found it really disappointing when you didn't take out the trash after mm -hmm. I asked you to do that five or six times. It means a lot to me that the house is clean, and this is one way that you show me that you appreciate my efforts to clean the house. That, that was disappointing. That right? was a, a very great example of an I feel statement. <laughs> that was a you know, quintessential therapist. Never right doubt the power of the I feels. <laughs> it is power, powerful, but I wonder if um, folks listening to this have some qualms about using the word disappointment when they're using I feel statements, just because wow. I feel like there's a negative connotation with it. Yeah. It, it could be a very loaded term, you True. know, uh, if you if you dealt with, you know, I, I go back to childhood when I hear that, mm -hmm. I, I feel disappointed. I think a lot of us do. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, uh, for some of us just hearing those words from our parents, I, I, I'm disappointed in you. Like, oh, my God, that cuts like, you know, that cuts like nothing else. Yeah. Like I would almost my parents rather uh, berate me or yell at me for mm -hmm. not picking up my room than, you know, say you know, the D word. Yeah. yeah, because it conveys that you lost esteem in their eyes. Yeah. That that they had a, a certain expectation or value of you and you have diminished that perception in their eyes on the basis of your actions. And that hurts. Right. So uh, caution to the individual who is considering expressing disappointment. Uh, there's just, I would say, go about it very intentionally. Mm -hmm. You know, what is it that you're trying to gain by doing this? Sure. Is it getting that social support that you're looking for? And if that's the case, are there uh, better ways of doing it than maybe just out and out complaining? Mm -hmm. um, because people will be willing to listen to complaining, I think, for a little while, but then that gets a little bit exhausting. And having expectations mm -hmm. uh, that people may be endlessly willing to listen to your complaining <laughs> could lead to further disappointment and create a vicious cycle. And, and that's good advice just in general. I, I think a, a lot of times we will communicate uh, certain things to other people without being really cognizant of what's driving mm. that speech. So, mm. you know, what are we trying to get? Um, what are we hoping to accomplish when we say these things? Yeah. Are we just trying to make the other person mad or make them feel what we're feeling? Yeah. Or are we trying to drive it in a constructive manner? And I think that's important to, especially in these disappointment-oriented conversations, um, to realize. You know, I'll, I want to take it back to what you kind of said at the outset of the podcast. Mm -hmm. You were talking about the role of expectations in yeah. this, and you talk, used the word or the term worldview. Mm -hmm. And I, I wanted to see if we could talk for a little bit about what the source of disappointment or where that comes from, yeah. and if there isn't some way to head this off before it mushrooms into something big. Thank you for, for bringing us back. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I think some of it goes back to our innate beliefs, just um, you know how we believe the world and people in general work, um, but also you know shaped by virtue of our experiences. And so this kind of goes back to one of the other examples I wanted to give. Um, several years ago, many years ago, um, my sister, middle sister, graduated from college mm -hmm. and. Um, my parents had us all go to this big, like, fancy dinner to commemorate that event. Um, 
And it was, I mean, just holy smokes, one of the fanciest dinners that I've ever been to. And we're talking like seven and 11 course mm. <laughs> you know, meals. And it's almost lunch, I, Jerry. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I know. Makes- I'm just so extravagant, and I, I couldn't believe that this is what we're experiencing. And so I'm, I'm witnessing this, I'm experiencing this, and I'm thinking, wow, this is what they did for my uh, sister's uh, college graduation. I'm finishing up my PhD. You know how much more significant an event is that? You know, shouldn't I? I have something that's you know at least uh, you know, on the same level, or oh, maybe yeah. even more extravagant. Oh. So this expectation in my mind starts to build and grow. And I'm, I'm fully falling into this trap, and I think you know where this is going. So on the night after my graduation, I've just you know, finished five years of grad school, preceding, uh, preceded by four years of undergrad. I've been in college for almost an entire decade of my life, and this is the culmination of so much um, toil and work over the course of this time. And my, my parents take me out to a like hole-in-the-wall like shack type place where the best thing on the menu is a Philly cheesesteak that wasn't even that good. <laughs> and, you know, my, my parents are acting like this is just, oh, it's so great and we're having a you know good time and, you know, isn't this the kind of food you like? And I'm just, I'm crushed. I'm oh. completely just not, and I know for a lot of our, our folks here, they're probably, you know, I, I don't know what you view about me because of this story, but um, in my mind, I had blown this up to be something that was going to be so much more than it actually sure. was. And so I was disappointed, not in myself this time, but um, in how my family members had you know, treated me. I took it as an affront to my value in their eyes. And so it, you know, it made me really upset. But I think I had, I think what you're, you're getting at is, you know, we carve out these beliefs for how we think other people should treat us um, or how the world should work in general. And when that doesn't happen, um, it leaves us feeling defeated. It can yeah. leave us feeling helpless um, to control some of the things around us, or it, it just runs right against what we believe to be fair or just. Yeah, that's right. First, I got to ask the question, do your parents listen to this podcast? Um yeah, I've talked to them about this before, so <laughs> probably. <laughs> I think a big family conversation is <laughs> about to happen. But yeah, I mean, it was it was uncomfortable. I actually, but I did address it at the time. I expressed my disappointment, um, maybe not in the best way. I don't think it was received well. Um, yeah, I think it was it was seen as an aff- my expression of disappointment was seen as an affront to their goodwill. And so I think uh, what you're saying about how you intentionally go about expressing yeah. disappointment and maybe even practice it can be really helpful. Um, and I think there's a lot of practicing, uh, to use that word, uh, mm-hmm. that you can do ahead of time. There's a lot of preparation maybe is a, mm-hmm. is a better word because I think that it's worth examining what attitudes and values and beliefs that you hold that may be driving some of the disappointment that you experience. You mm-hmm. always have the choice to express disappointment. No one can take that away from you. But it might be the case that uh, you discover that um, some of the sources of your disappointment um, are chronic and they may, they may lead you to be the kind of person who's disappointed in a lot of things a lot of the time. Absolutely. And that may have impacts for you at work, that may have impacts for you in your social life uh, and, and in other areas. And you can decide whether or not that's uh, an attitude or a belief or a value worth holding on to. Very good point. I think uh, a way that you can start this is by uh, answering the open-ended prompt, I deserve 
blank. Yeah. Because there, are, there may be some things just as a human being, you know, in the inalienable rights, if you will, that, yes, you should expect to receive, mm. you know, dignity and respect and things of that nature. Um, but if you, at the same time, say, I deserve to, you know, have a 100K job right when I get out of the military or, you know, right when I graduate out of high school, that may be an unrealistic belief or it may not. But I think you need to evaluate, is this a realistic expectation that I hold or am I just setting myself up for inevitable failure and disappointment? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the other thing, uh, the, the question I find myself asking myself uh, when I'm confronted with um, whether or not to feel disappointment, I'll mm -hmm. ask myself, is this a matter of preference or is this a matter of mm -hmm. principle? Right? And if it's a matter of preference, uh, like I'd like things to go one way versus another, but I wouldn't be crushed if it did, then then my disappointment sort of fizzles away and I, and I can kind of move on. If it's more of a matter of principle, it may mean it's going to be more of a sticking point for me and it may require a little bit more critical thinking about how I want to proceed. But I think right off the top, if I can, if I can say, hey, I prefer red, but you really like blue, that's not so important to me. I'm going to go with mm -hmm. blue and just you know, let, this, let the disappointment roll off my back. But I think where, where people run into trouble is when they, they, maybe, when they hold this belief that things must be a certain mm -hmm. way or I can't possibly be happy or successful or yeah. achieve my goals, right? And Albert Ellis, right, he's sort of uh, the father <laughs> of uh, what's called rational emotive behavior therapy. Mm -hmm. um, he came up with this term masturbating. Uh, masturbating is this idea that, you know, there's this kind of, uh, well, how would you describe it? It's just maintaining this and perseverating with this idea that things have to be a certain way. Mm -hmm. uh, I have to get my way all the time or I simply can't be X, right? And you yeah. can see how that could really wreak havoc uh, in relationships. He also coined the phrase, I think, shooting on yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and again, that's about holding expectations of yourself and others. And and to kind of like hearken to, uh, Chaplain Jim's not here today, otherwise I'm sure he'd bring in the, the spiritual perspective. But if you think about a kind of Buddhist philosophy mm -hmm. and that sort of on that expectations or desires is the root of all suffering, mm -hmm. right? And and it, it kind of plays into Ellis's idea that if you have to have certain things, um, first in order let, to be happy, in order to be happy, or to feel successful, right? That's an irrational belief in the first place. I'm sure you can be happy and successful without some singular event in your mm -hmm. in your life transpiring, right? Sure. But the tighter we hold on to some of these expectations, especially if they're not really of any value or if they don't have a basis in in reality, um, that that could lead to quite a bit of suffering for us. So, I, I think slowing things down a little bit especially when mm -hmm. if you're at that if you're at that point where you're making a decision about whether or not to express disappointment really some critical self-reflection mm -hmm. um, will life go on after this <laughs> if i don't get x y or z um, and if that's the case then maybe you can stomach it yeah well life will go on it's whether it goes on without you or not <laughs> and you're almost touching into the the stoic philosophy yeah. you know it, it it is what it is. Mm -hmm. it, it, it happened, it is, and it's your choice to live in it or to move on and pursue other things. Yeah. And, and I, I really like the idea of um, just indulge yourself in the grief process. You know, if you, if you absolutely are just crushed by this disappointment, grieve, use it as a learning opportunity to assess some of these things that you discussed. You know, do I have realistic beliefs and might I need to rectify some of these to keep this from being a recurrent pattern in my life? 
and then move on. Find another target to divest your energy um, and or your you know emotional, temporal, financial resources. Um, something that that maybe will better set you up for what you're you're hoping to get out of that experience. All right, team. Well, that's it for today. We want to thank you guys for listening to the Pillars, the podcast of the 363rd ISR Wing. Uh, lots of great discussion today. There's lots of great resources out there on this topic. If you're interested, hit us up on The Global, and uh, we're happy to share those with you. Uh, but for now, I'm Dr. Reed. And I'm Dr. Jerry. And uh, thanks for what you do. 